This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, everyone? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. Whether you're looking at refinancing your current mortgage or buying a new home, Mike and Virginia will make the process as smooth and simple as possible. If you've gone through the loan process before and you'd rather, you know, go get a root canal, watch a Raiders game, root for the Dodgers or the Buffs, Wyoming, I get it. it it's just a frustrating process. It sounds so daunting, but that's why you want to get hooked up with Mike in Virginia. Trust me, they're going to make the process smooth, quick, enjoyable, all of the above, nothing like a root canal. I promise you. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, though, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. I'm telling you, Mike and Virginia, they're going to work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. Most importantly, get set up with that free consultation. Discuss all your options. It's going to be real smooth. Call Mike directly at 970-412-2472 or visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. But I thought our staff did a really great job, our recruiting staff, our our coaching staff, support people did a great job. We attacked this recruiting. Um, When we broke out of here, we were working hard at it all winter, all and and even during spring ball, we had a couple of... uh, Saturday afternoon recruiting deals, which we were really excited about and we hope we'd continue. But we broke out of here and uh, we just really were super organized and we attacked recruiting every day and really built a great relationship. And I thought did a great job of evaluating the prospects, got an early bite into our players and then were able to really lock into them. And uh, that's paid dividends for us. And so we feel good about our class um, and, and feel like we have a, we, we, we've met our needs a lot of our needs. We've got some outstanding players, high character, have a passion for the game. You know, I talk about character, uh, passion for the game and toughness. And I think we have a class that'll match that. So uh, very excited about it as, you know, to lock this portion of our class in and then get ready to finish that out. I think we're in great shape. So with that, I'm happy to answer any of your questions. What's good, y'all? We are talking signing day. Always an exciting time of year, in particular right now. I mean, it's been, oh man, just a frustrating season. (laughs) Really, really disappointing in so many different aspects. Really just sucks. Only four games. And, you know, at this point, it's over. I I joked earlier in the week that if the players were willing to stick around, you know, maybe they could get a bowl invite. You've seen teams like Virginia Tech, uh, Kansas State as well, both opting out. I mean, at this point, they literally might not have enough teams. And that's where, you know, a team like CSU could step in. But Steve Adazio actually talked about 
uh, during that press conference that they're already conducting exit interviews. So the uh, the season's over, unfortunately. It is what it is, but we're we're focusing on the future and we're talking signing day. The Rams signed 19 commits during this early signing period. Uh, one of the things that really stood out to me, and I'm actually going to play the audio from when I asked Steve Adazio about this. Um, it just, it stood out to me how many of these early commits stayed firm with their commitment. I mean, that was kind of a problem during the Mike Bobo era. You know, they'd get some early commits and then they'd always get poached at the very end. Now, I will say, you know, obviously, you know, we should mention it's it's kind of a different recruiting philosophy from these two staffs. You know, Bobo kind of went for those fringe P5 guys, the the people that had interest, a lot of interest from Power 5 schools, and that's, you know, generally why they would get stolen. There are some guys in this class that had P5 interest, and it's good because, you know, you need legit talent, but they're going more the developmental route this time around, and I think that's good. I think it works, you know, for a program like CSU, a program like Wyoming, you really establish a, a strong local foundation and you kind of try and find guys that are maybe underappreciated, undervalued, almost like a money ball approach. You know, just find people that are slipping through the cracks. You build them up, you coach them up. And then ultimately, if you get enough guys to, to pan out, it works out, especially when you're also, you know, adding a strong foundation of walk-ons, which is another thing that this staff is doing really well. 10 plus walk-ons, you know. That that's serious. I mean, you're basically adding 30 new players. The odds that, you know, five of those guys could end up being starters, half of them, you know, even eleven, we'll see. That I think that feels pretty good to me, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Obviously, you hope that the scholarship guys pan out. That that's, you know, the 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 main, you know, lifeblood of of your program is is recruiting the scholarship guys. And you really do need most of them to pan out. But if you get a couple of those schol- those walk-on guys to develop into scholarship players, which, you know, CSU's had some some great success with that. Barry Wesley, a guy that's been the anchor of the offensive line for three years now. He was a walk-on. Thomas Panunzio, a guy that was a big factor for CSU this year in multiple phases of the game. He was a walk-on. I'm really big on that. I'm just, I'm really big on, on finding local guys that are really committed. They want to play for CSU. They come in with a chip on their shoulder. I'm about that. I really am. And I just think it's good for for pride, you know. I think it just establishes a foundation on your roster of kids that bleed green and gold. And I'm not so sure that was, you know, always the case during the Bobo era. And I'm not trying to throw shade at anyone or anything like that. It was just different, you know. They they went and they brought a lot of guys over from the other side of the country that, you know, didn't necessarily love CSU or even the staff. They just didn't really have a anywhere else to go. And I think that's not really the approach we're seeing this time around. I mean, at the end of the day, you always have to be able to recruit, you know, Texas and California. If you're CSU, Florida, you'd hope to be able to. And I think with Adazio, he even mentioned that with his ties, he should be able to recruit Florida pretty well. Louisiana, Georgia, maybe you pull a kid or two from there every now and then. But ultimately, you know, Colorado, California, Texas, Arizona a little bit. That's the foundation of where CSU needs to dominate recruiting. And and I I think the staff is off to a really, really good start so far. All right. I'm not gonna go through the list and like name all 19 guys because I think that I just think that's gonna be hard to follow when it's just audio. Uh, but just some info about this class. 10 guys on offense, 
nine guys on defense. Uh, three of the guys on offense were quarterbacks. A little bit interesting. Going to play Adazio's audio on that later. He just kind of explains his approach. Basically, you know, he's like quantity is, is the best way to go with this. Um, not always quality is, is kind of what he talked about. It, it was complicated. I, I liked what he said. Basically, he's looking for mentality more than, you know, necessarily natural skill set. And I kind of get that. You need your quarterback to be a dog. You need him to be a leader. We'll get into all that. Uh, four defensive linemen, which is another big, big thing because one, just from a depth perspective, it's it's in the trenches. Generally, you get quite a few injuries down there. It's just good to have as many talented players as you can. But also, it, it's probably, aside from quarterback, the hardest position to recruit at the G5 level. Defensive tackle, defensive end. Power 5 programs really, really just kind of stockpile these dudes. So to go out and get a couple of dudes that look like they can be you know, potentially legitimate contributors. I really like what I've seen from Grady Kelly, uh, Tyler Quinn as well, a bunch of these guys. I mean, I just, I like that approach. I, I really think it's smart to add as many defensive linemen as you can every single class, even more so than quarterbacks. Another thing I really, really like about this class, they got more depth for the secondary. And guys that are going to early enroll in Brandon Coleman and Lathan Adams, uh, Coleman was a guy who was at one time committed in the 2020 class. Not sure what happened there. Actually committed to UCF at one point, but is instead coming to CSU. Lathan Adams was locked down for DeSoto, man. He had a phenomenal year. I'm really, really excited about him. And I'm really excited that he's going to be on campus this spring. I think secondary corner in particular, that's a position where CSU could probably benefit just from more depth in general, you know, I'm not trying to throw shade. I actually thought the corners improved significantly over the course of the season. It, it's got to get better, guys. I, I get that. But I just mean with the lack of camp and everything, I didn't think it was bad. You still have a strong foundation with a couple of these other guys that are already on the roster and, and you know, Keevan Bailey and some of these guys, assuming that they all stick around. We'll have to see that. Rashad Ajayi. But I, I'm really intrigued by by what they were add, uh, at, ugh, by what they were able to add in the secondary I assume Jack Howell will be a DB. We'll kind of have to see how that plays out. That's, that's another guy who I just think can contribute right away. You know, a Henry Blackburn type. I'm just really, really intrigued by a lot of these guys. I really am. All right, like I said, I am going to play more audio from Steve Adazio because I really like some of the stuff that he had to say throughout this press conference. Uh, but just some more info about this class. Kind of unique in a sense that five of the guys or five or six of the guys didn't actually get to play this fall because of COVID. Uh, two of the quarterbacks, Chance Harris, Evan Elias, they didn't get to play. George Mickey Hahn, Jarek Robinson, Demir Abdullah. It's the West Coast guys mostly. They didn't get to play. That That's really unfortunate. You really got to trust your evaluations in that sense. I am glad that Chance Harris, especially because he didn't get to play, is going to early enroll alongside Luke McAllister. Jack Howell's going to early enroll. Lathan Adams and Brandon Coleman kind of going back to that DB point. QB and, and defensive back, you really got to be strong in your schemes. And I think it's just important that they have two quarterbacks and, you know, three, I think, assuming Howell plays DB, three DBs early and rolling. That's going to be big, especially come, you know, fall time. Those guys might be able to contribute right away because of that. Hey, Coach, you've talked a lot about wanting to recruit the state of Colorado, but that starts in your backyard, does it not, with three signees the last two years just from Fort Collins? Yeah, I mean, you know, our commitment to the state of Colorado is real. Um, and I just think that 
we have diamonds in the state. And, uh, and I just think in college football and where it's headed, I think it's so critically important that you have guys that are vested into your university and into the state and into the area. Uh, it's not just a place just to go play football. So um, we certainly have uh, right in our back door, even more than just the state of Colorado, we have certainly been present and will continue to be. And that's not to say we won't pick up another one or two kids from the state of Colorado in the signing class. That very easily can happen. The other thing that stands out to me about this class is traditionally most programs add one quarterback. You're adding three. Uh, is that just filling up some blanks from, you know, the past? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think any program, if you're going to build a winning program, you've got to find a guy that, you know, is the future at that position. And uh, I've learned in my career that take as many quarterbacks as you can and hope that you get lucky and you find that one that can be that guy that can be elite. And how, many, how much success you have and how much you win is going to correlate heavily to that. So I just think you take quarterbacks and, and hope you evaluate it right. And even if you did, you know, you're lucky if you find that one guy. Uh, many of these players committed way back in the spring you didn't have very many players that, you know, flipped their commitments elsewhere. What does that speak to the relationship that you and your coaches have been able to establish with a lot of these guys, despite pretty weird circumstances? Yeah, I thought we developed a really good, strong bond through those months of March, April, and May, obviously, and, um, and just continued on that. Um, and we were confident in our evaluations. I mean, you know, it's hard right now. You don't have camp. You're not out in the road evaluating basketball practice and those kinds of things. The margin for error is certainly greater. And, you know, I, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like right now moving forward. I mean, I'm not sure what's going to happen in the next three, four months. And we've got to start thinking about that, right? But um, I thought we did a good job in evaluation. Uh, got as many guys on campus as we possibly could. And uh, we're going to have to live with that. Uh, and a lot of people throughout the country are. Um, but on a really good gear, you'd like to say you'd have – I always believe you try to have a guy in campus at least four times before you're, you're committed to him. Um, through the winter, the spring, uh, the summer camps, official visit, I just think that that's really important. But this is what it's going to be for everybody right now. Um, so you have to be confident in your film evaluation and then have enough phone conversations and Zoom conversations and all the different things we did along the way to build those relationships and really assess how, how strong the relationship and the marriage really is. Steve, Kelly Lyle with the Fort Collins Colorado. And again, how much did you weigh the pros and cons of signing a bunch of guys as you are early versus maybe seeing who seeps through and who still might be left for that later period? I know a lot, every coach has kind of their own philosophy on that. What's kind of your take on that? Well, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a builder. And uh, so I really believe that, you have to go out, do a lot of front-end work, and be confident in your evaluation because it's a real simple concept to me. You know, you, 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 a lot of coaches to me make the mistake, and they don't. They have to. You have to understand every place is different where you're at. But I'm going to use an analogy. I don't mean I'm not rating players this way. I'm just saying as an analogy. You think you're going to go get you know the ones, so to speak, and then you lose all those ones that you thought were your ones, and then you miss the twos, and you end up with the threes. That's how I think your program falls apart. Um, you start taking guys in the end uh, haphazardly, um, maybe highly rated guys that 
really aren't very good, but you get caught up in that crap. Um, so I'm, I'm a much bigger believer. Now, this year is a compromised year. We didn't have camp. But I like to do, I go out, do our own evaluations. I watch all the tape, uh, go to camp, evaluate the camp, and be strong and confident that you're recruiting the right guys that will help you win and not get caught chasing. Coaches a lot of times chase like – they always think they're finding a secret or something. You know, there's, to me, there's no secrets in recruiting. It's just evaluation and having principles that you believe in in the recruiting process. Um, and, and I just don't believe in recruiting haphazardly all over the place. Like, well, we have some cross-section from a, a pretty wide area here. But every year, there needs to be like, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine kids from Colorado, in my opinion. And so that over the course of four years – you're going to have 35 kids, um, scholarship kids, minimally in your program, minimally from, from the state. And I think it, it gives you consistency and you're not just spot recruiting all over the place. Like, you know, my, my, you, you recruit these kids from Colorado. They're so proud to be from Colorado. They understand the history of Colorado State University and they have a passion for that. Some of the other kids, why do they come? And, you know, you, you go way, way far away because you're the best offer they had. And there was no real connection. And I just think that can really backfire on you. So is there some of that that's going to take place? Yeah, of course there is. You got to fill your recruiting class out. You're not going to just do it here. But, you know, you can't get crazy all over the place. And you got to have a we're, – we're, we're definitely locked into this state. And then I would say California and Texas are two areas we want to be strong in. A little bit of Arizona, you know, I, I have some Northeast background, so there's always going to be probably a situation that'll come up for me through my years of being in the whole, that whole area that will pop, you know, one way or the other. So that, there's always going to be a little segment of that in there. Um, and then because I recruited so long in Florida, I, you know, I, I think you can go down and, and, and potentially, you know, get a guy or two in a very talent rich state. I mean, two of the most talent rich states are Texas and, and Florida. So, it's reasonable to think you'd get a couple kids from Florida, but you know, and we've had it in the past. And I think, uh, I think you put it all together and, 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 you know, you put together something good. It feels like just yesterday that Los Angeles was lifting basketball's most coveted prize. Since then, we've introduced a new class of professional basketball players to the draft. We've also seen a few marquee names switch teams. Luckily for us fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. They're ready to kick off the 2021 basketball season with a no-brainer bet. Even better, it's not just for new users. It's for all customers, new and existing. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook app yet, head to the App Store now. You don't want to miss this. To celebrate the return of basketball, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a 75-point spread on the team of your choice on opening night. 75 points! That's right. All you got to do is bet on any opening night game. And if your team doesn't lose by more than 75 points, you're going to double your money. This Saturday, there will be an endless amount of action to get it on. So don't wait. Head to the app now. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to get a 75-point spread on opening night for a shot to double your money. That code DNVR to get a shot at doubling your money on opening night for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
Cool, cool, cool. So we are now going to talk about uh, who might stick around from a senior perspective before we kind of transition into the final portion, which will just kind of be talking about the quarterback situation and general. Pretty unique that CSU was able to add three very different styles as well. And that's kind of what we're going to end on. But I think one of the big questions right now amongst you know most CSU fans is everybody kind of wants to know who is going to take advantage of this eligibility loophole that allows everybody to come back. Now, uh, one of the things that we need to acknowledge right off the bat, it's going to be complicated for a program like Colorado State for multiple reasons, uh, but the biggest one is obviously just going to come down to the financial situation now. Even if, you know, they're allowed to carry more scholarships than what the what they're normally, you know, taking in, the reality is it's been a rough rough year for CSU just from a revenue standpoint now they've they've done a pretty good job of kind of staying afloat but you know we got to factor in the fact that they've already you know signed 19 players from this class they still have five to six scholarships that they plan on adding you know to just bring all the seniors back I, I don't see that being very realistic uh, we kind of asked Adazio about it during his press conference and he said it's you know something that they're going to have to you know kind of figure out there's just a lot of different factors obviously money is a big factor you know, ultimately, you know, if a player's already earned their degree, as Adazio explained it, you know, the university has kind of fulfilled their obligation to that individual. Now, I'm not saying they would just, you know, kick them out, but it's just kind of a factor that you have to consider. You know, another factor, if you're going to bring somebody back, keep their scholarship, they're probably going to be have to be a guy that contributes. You know, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to bring a guy back that's not going to get any playing time. Um, that's kind of harsh, but it's just the reality that we're in, especially if that individual has already earned a degree. So it's it's complicated. It's wonky. I'm I'm really intrigued by you know who may or may not come back. I'm just going to kind of give you my gut feeling. Now I don't have inside info on any of these guys. This is pure speculation. Okay, I want to make that very clear. This is just me looking at the roster, going to the seniors, and kind of using my own rationale for why they may or may not come back. So starting on offense, you obviously jump to the quarterback position. The big question, will Patrick O'Brien come back? I've been pretty consistent with this throughout the fall. I don't expect him to. I just don't. Now, you know, he might. And honestly, I hope he does because I think that'll be the best thing for CSU football next season. I am really intrigued by all of these young quarterbacks that are getting added but to start as a true freshman, that's really tough. It's not impossible. And I'm not saying that, you know, a guy like Luke McAllister couldn't come in and, and win it over or, you know, even Chance Harris or Oleas. I don't want to be dismissive of anyone. But it's hard to pick up that scheme. And it's a big jump. It's a huge jump trying to read D1 defenses versus what gets thrown at you at the high school level. And it is a it is a significant it's a significant challenge. So ex to expect somebody to come in at like 18 years old and be able to do it, we'll just have to see. I mean, it happens. Obviously, Colin Hill was able to get some playing time as a freshman. He came in as during the spring. Maybe that situation repeats itself with, you know, McAllister. We'll have to see. But I just, when it comes to Patrick O'Brien, he's an older dude. He was already a redshirt senior. I don't know, to come back... Well, he would have to really, really, really want to play. And I'm not so sure that him and like Adazio really clicked that well after, you know, everything that happened this season. You know, both guys said the right things publicly. 
but just, you know, kind of my read on the situation. I don't know. I would be surprised if Patrick O'Brien comes back. That's just me. But moving on, let's just, let's do it this way. Let's talk about the guys I don't think will come back. Then let's talk about the guys that I do think will come back. I was going to go position by position, but I think that's going to be hard to follow. So starting with the doubt it, I really doubt Patrick O'Brien comes back. A wide receiver, Nate Craig Myers, the Auburn transfer. He he could come back. I mean, he'd be a starter probably if he did, but only six catches for 68 yards this year. No touchdowns in three games. Didn't produce that much last year either. I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd be kind of surprised if he comes back. Scott Brooks, uh, backup center, started last year, ended up getting you know replaced in the rotation this year, didn't really factor in. I'd be surprised if he comes back. He's one of those guys where you know already has a degree. Probably not going to start. Would it really make sense to bring him back? I don't know. So as far as the seniors go, those would those are the guys that I really doubt will come back. Now let's move on to the maybes. And honestly, most of these maybes, I still really doubt it. But we'll see. Manny Jones. You know, what, does he want to come back and put more on film? Tough to say. It could really help his draft stock. But it's kind of nasty in the trenches and you only have so many snaps. So if you think you're ready, if you think you're going to get drafted, I get that decision. Scott Patchen's kind of the same way, you know, came in from Miami. He accomplished what he wanted to accomplish, proved that he's a legit pass rusher, proved that he's a complete defensive end. But he only got four games on film, and that's really unfortunate. And I think that's going to hurt him because I think scouts are just going to question, you know, is it a big enough sample size? He's another guy, if he came back and he did what he did in a 12-game season after what he already did. No doubt in my mind he would get drafted. That said, it's a complicated decision. It's the same deal. You know, it's tough in the trenches. You only have so many snaps. He's a guy that's already had to deal with injuries in the past. You might just decide it's not worth it. Another maybe Ryan Stonehouse. I think, you know, the staff would have him back, no doubt. Three-time all-conference player. One of the best punters in the country, if not the best punter in the country. If you're Stony. Are you kind of just saying, you know, what more can I show at this point? You know, I'm a three-time all-conference selection. The NCAA's all-time leader in punt average. What else can I do? But it's hard to get into the NFL as a punter, so we'll have to see. I, I hope he comes back because he's entertaining and I'm just a Ryan Stonehouse fan, but we'll have to see. Now let's move on to the guys that I think there's a good chance. Keith Williams, starting offensive tackle. Another guy that I think probably has some NFL aspirations. Just needs to put more on film. Really, really liked what he did this year. Really solid play. Him and Barry were really, really great. It would really be awesome if they could get both of those tackles back next season. Just that continuity on the offensive line. You're going to get your centers and your guards back. But if you can get the tackles back too, that would be clutch. Defensive lineman Ellison Hubbard. He's just a really smart guy. You know, he's a guy he would probably start. So I think it makes sense to bring him back from that standpoint. Great team player. Loves CSU really talented off the field. I could just see him taking advantage of it, you know, pursuing a graduate degree, something like that. I think he'll be back. Cam Butler, tight end, didn't get to play this year because of injury. I think he'll be back. I would hope so. That would be huge, especially because, unfortunately, I think Trey's probably going to go pro and nobody will blame him when he does. But he would be a big-time addition back into that lineup if they could get him because he he's a stud, man. I know it's been a while. People kind of forget because... He really burst on the scene his freshman and sophomore year. Really struggled to stay healthy the last couple of seasons. He's, he's a really complete player. And the last guy, and, and this is just speculation again, 
I think Marcus McElroy will probably be back. Probably be back. Really got tongue-tied there. Just another dude, a really intelligent guy. I could see him taking advantage of a, of a graduate degree situation. Also think he'd probably be one of your main contributing running backs again. Opinions on that might be mixed, but I, I think he did come on strong at the end. I think it would be good if you could get him back too, just because he's a great, great pass blocker. I mean, he is terrific in pass protection. So those are the guys that I kind of expect to be back. Well, we're just going to kind of have to see. Um, and we're going to transition one last time and talk quarterbacks. You know, I just said I don't expect O'Brien to be back. I don't expect Justice McCoy to be back either. We'll have to see there. Um, it's going to get really interesting at that position. You know, is Todd Santeo your guy moving forward? I'm not sure we saw enough of him, you know, as a pastor to really be confident. And, and I'm really not trying to dog the guy because I, I didn't even get a chance to know him this year. You know, I his teammates all speak really high of him. So to me, that's encouraging. But just from what we saw as a raw passer, it wasn't great. You know, Adazio talked about how it's it's not that important to him. And obviously that was the case because they rolled with Tebow. I mean, he's kind of a, a different story. I mean, a Heisman winner, one of the greatest college football players of all time. Wonky ass throwing motion or not. I mean, I loved watching Tebow and I'm an Alabama guy. So that, that tells you everything you need to know. I'm just, I don't know. It's it's going to be an interesting situation. You know, if, if it does end up being Todd Santeo next year, what does that mean for some of the young guys? Do you try and get them some reps as well? Does it end up being a situation where, you know, we see Luke McAllister in a couple of games? We'll see. I mean, you can play in up to four games and still keep your eligibility for the year. That's going to be a really, really big factor. I wrote a feature on this, so I'm actually not going to go too in-depth because, you know, I want to reward the DNVR subscribers. I, I tried to really cover signing day as best as I could. It was wonky this year because we didn't get to go in and, you know, it was just a different situation altogether, but I thought it was, you know, I thought we had pretty complete coverage. I'm not trying to toot my horn or anything, but between what we covered basketball-wise and football, I think it's been a good week for DNVR subscribers. I, I'd love if every week was that way. It's just been so hard with so little events this year, but that's why I'm so stoked for things like signing day, so stoked for basketball season. I'm going to talk about that big-time St. Mary's game on tomorrow's podcast. But I'm, um, I'm just going to wrap up this podcast here with some more audio from Steve Adazio. It's not going to be as long as some of those other segments, but it's just kind of talking about what he likes in a quarterback, that mentality. I really liked what he had to say about Tim Tebow. It's a little bit corny, but I thought it was great. Just great coach stuff. Shows the kind of relationship they had. And it's fun for me. You know, as somebody that really loved those Tebow years, I think it's cool to have some of these coaches on staff that actually were a part of those years because it was, it was great college football. It really was. I mean, it's what it's all about. So... Here is that audio. That is all we're going to have on today's podcast. Like I said, we'll have more hoops content throughout the week. Women's basketball is a big game coming up against DU Friday night. Uh, the men's team hits the road for the first time against St. Mary's. They're 6-1, and one, I believe. Might be 7-1 and one now. Uh, Gales are rolling. They look like a top three team in the WCC, and that's a pretty good hoops conference. So I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I, I think the Rams have been awesome. The offense has been tremendous. Going to be a big test for them defensively. But I'll talk about that more tomorrow. So, like I said, that's all we got today. Here's that Steve Adazio audio. Happy holidays, y'all. Hey, Steve. Uh, you know, when you think about the identity that you want to establish on offense with this program, what are the most important attributes of your starting quarterback? 
whether it's character traits or playing style. And also if you could just sort of comment on the strengths of the, of the three quarterbacks in this class. Well, I think you're always looking for a quarterback that has it, right? It comes in a lot of different sizes, a lot of different styles, throwers, runners. I mean, combination. I never worry about that. You're trying to find a guy that has it, a guy that has those characters, a guy that can put – he's a winner. He's usually one, brought his team to a state championship. They've won a state championship. They're just those highly competitive winners. They, they, they find a way to win. And it's, it's those, you know, those, those attributes – um, you know, I've watched guys on, you know, I, I can watch a game sometimes and feel the energy of a team, whether it be in our conference or just on TV of another conference. And you watch that quarterback and you say, wow, look at this guy, man. Look at his eyes. Look at his, look at him on the sideline in between series. And you can feel it. The problem we people have in quarterbacks is they think like, oh, he throws a really good ball. That does that, that and a dime will get you a cup of coffee. I mean, it's nice to throw a really good ball, but what does that mean? I've been around quarterbacks. They're great in seven on seven, but they can't, they can't win. They can't lead. You know, do they win? It's about winning. And winning comes with all styles, drop back guys, dual threat guys. But, you know, you guys see them. You just watch them. You can watch them play. You can watch them on TV, and you can pick them right out. They're, they might be 5'10". They might be 6'2". They might be 6'6". But – Sometimes I laugh, you know, it's like I've been around a lot of quarterback coaches in my career, right? Work for me as a head coach or I was around as an assistant coach and talk about like, oh, he can spin it. And, oh, he's got this release. And I, I just always like to say, okay, can he win? Can he win? I used to tell this about Tebow. Tebow would stare a bear down and deliver the ball on third and medium. Say, well, there's throwing motion and all this and all that. Yeah, okay. Well, let me tell you something. We play a pickup game. I'm picking him. Okay, that's all I can tell you. I don't care about his throw motion. I don't care about that bull crap. What I know is the guy's a flat winner. Okay, that's what I know. And not only that, he's the all-time leading passer at that time in the history of the state of Florida. I'd say that's saying something. But my point to you is, is the guy would stare a bear down. I promise you. I've never been around a guy like him before. You know, it's like I can remember playing in Tennessee one year. It's fourth and one, games on the line. He's coming to the sideline screaming. Give me the ball. I'm going to run the – I mean, it's like, whoa, Tim, settle down a little bit. You know, but what do we do? All right, cue power. Let him run the ball. Never got stopped one time. So my point to you is you asked me about quarterbacks. You're trying to find a guy, to me, that's got it. A gym rat kind of guy that loves it, and he's just a freaking competitor, and he can put the team on his back, and his mentality – and his attitude is relentless, and he lifts everybody up, including the coaches on the football field. You find one of those guys, you're going to win a lot of football games. That's the way it is.